Hey everybody, Chad Burmeister, CEO of ScaleX.ai, and I am here today with one of my favorite people on the entire planet, Miss Alice Hyman. She is on our board of advisors. She's one of the most amazing sales leaders in the world, and I've got her here today broadcasting live from Winter Park, and I think Alice is in Reno. Reno, Nevada. <laughs> Reno, Nevada, and a similar look and feel with mountains all around her. And oh, everything. yeah. So what an awesome uh, time to be in sales, right? While things are sometimes changing and ebbing and flowing, these are the times when good things are born. So uh, we're excited here to peel this onion back today. And we're here to talk about AI augmentation, not human replacement, but a supplement to human intelligence. And I think Alice has some strong opinions in this area. So we're <laughs> I do indeed. <laughs> All right. So if you haven't been on one of these webinars before, you'll have some links right underneath you and you can download those. Also, both Alice and my contact information. So please use it. Uh, we'd love to get in touch with you. Alice has a great blog. I highly encourage you to subscribe to that as well. Thank um, you. For those who don't know, AI for Sales is the book that we put out last year. It covers 21 different technologies. It's available at Amazon. It's also available on our website via ebook download. And this broadcast will be played on the AI for Sales podcast through the C-Suite network. So you will be hearing this all over the planet, but let's dig in. Tell us about your company. So Alice Hyman LLC, trade show makeover, which is an interesting time to be in the trade show business. Uh, tell us about what, what it is you do, Alice. Well, what I specialize in is helping owner-led companies who are also sometimes investor-backed uh, to have rapid exponential sales growth. So usually these companies are under $100 million in revenues and they want to grow rapidly. They're usually in industries that are growing quickly and they have a lot of competitors. They have a very complex sale. Um, they're usually closing deals that are 50 million, yeah, 50,000 uh, 50, to a million dollars or several millions of dollars. So they have a lot of complicated things to deal with in that. And so we're working with them to help them build their sales organizations, help their sales leaders become peak performers so that they can help their sales people become peak performers. And that's part of what AI helps them do, of course. And are you seeing uh, your customers or are you recommending that they use AI? Where, where do you see AI start to seep in to customers uh, in the sales motion? Yeah, I think that AI can be really helpful. But again, instead of artificial intelligence, as you started to mention in the introduction, I really like to think about augmented intelligence because artificial intelligence means it's replacing our intelligence and that's not what salespeople need. Salespeople need to be really good thinkers and really good planners and really great conversationalists, which means they're good listeners. And what we don't want is for them to push the auto button and think that there's a tool that's gonna do that for them because it's not. So what we want to do instead is think about the augmented intelligence that can assist a salesperson or a sales leader to be a peak performer. So I can maybe relieve myself of some mundane research or 
uh, something that could be automated, I can relieve myself of that so that I can be a better thinker, a better learner, a better conversationalist. I can focus my attention completely on the customer because I can relieve myself of some of this mundane work that I could get done by this augmented intelligence. Yeah, so that's interesting, right? Um, I'll give an, a drill down example there. We're working with a company who sells kind of CRM type software to property managers at, at different locations, you know, tens of thousands of these guys. And they do research before the call. So it's in their CRM. There's about four or five fields and then they have to go out and dedupe and make sure there's not two opportunities at the same company and all that effort. And so when they're making calls, you know, we started to put in an agent assisted dialing platform for them. And then when it would just randomly beep on the screen, they're like, uh, I don't know if, if I'm even allowed to be talking to Alice. I don't know what I should open with. And so it was really hard to scale in a situation like that when you can peel back the onion and say, well, what are the five pieces of information you need to see? Maybe we can pull that into the screen pop so that, and, and then we have to have trust in the data, right? So we had the sales ops person on and he was like, yeah, yeah, we're not going to get the data fixed anytime soon. Well, okay, then you're not going to be able to move into the, into the new world where you can leverage this kind of technology. So it, it's, all, it's all intertwined, but not replacing people, I think, is the key. It's augmented. Right. Well, and I think they're like recording software that can record calls and then pick out the important pieces. That can really help a sales leader because it takes a lot of time to sit and listen to full recordings of people on calls and or or screen through them because a lot of them are just voicemails. So we want to get to the right call and get to the right parts of the call so that we can coach our salespeople. That's a really good use of augmented intelligence, but that's only as good as the person who programmed it. So whatever we're serving up, right, as this artificial intelligence, we have to make sure that somebody who was thinking <laughs> um, was putting it together so that it will serve up the right information. I mean, one of the best things that we could do for our salespeople is provide the research that they need. And right now, um, there are some services that will push some information to you that's the needed pieces. But like you were saying, what are the five pieces of information I need to know about Chad Burmeister before I pick up the phone and dial him? And right now, for a lot of companies, um, we use these extensive dossiers, but it relies on the salesperson to go out and find each of the pieces of information that would fill the dossier. Now, there are some companies that are starting to be able to pull that information in automatically and, and serve that up. That's the kind of thing that I think is going to help salespeople work smarter. They'll be able to work less hours and that means they'll be fresher and more able to focus, you know, and they can stop dialing for dollars and spending hours and hours researching. Although the sad thing is most of them don't spend hours researching and they are not well equipped to have the conversations when they do get a buyer on the phone. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. So, we are in the process of piloting a technology right now. It's called Balto Software. Balto was the dog that was in Alaska that ran across. And the Iditarod. He ran right? the Iditarod, yes. yes. And, and so kind of leads the path. And right. so that's how they came up with their company name. So I, I did a demo of this a few weeks back. And when I'm talking to someone, it can show me, did I ask the right questions? If Let's say a competitor comes up and you know the certain name pops up well then it then it'll give me another set of two or three questions to ask 
So I think of when I got my start at WebEx 15 years ago, kind of in the inside sales capacity, we'd print out, you know, just document upon document, and then we'd skim to it whenever we need it. And so a new one came out, a new product, we'd just post it up on our board. Well, in today's world, the intelligence is smart enough to convert it to text and then make sure you've asked the question, check it off the box, and then you ask three or four questions, and then a, a little uh, you know, celebration pop the cork comes up. Oh, good job, Alice, you just asked the four right qualification questions. But to your point, if you don't program it in the right in the first place, then you're teaching people the wrong thing. And I have a feeling salespeople will throw up all over that pretty quickly. Oh yeah, that's the problem because and it catches them off guard. A lot of salespeople aren't that quick on their feet, even though they should be. Um, then you know, it creates more of a problem. I'll tell you what I would love someone to invent a way to scoop the information I need out of LinkedIn. So for example, before I call somebody, I always check their LinkedIn profile and see what they posted last. Some people don't post on LinkedIn, so this doesn't work for them, but for people who are posting, I see what they posted last, what they have been clicking like on, and then I go over to their company page to see what the company has posted. And this gives me uh, words to use to talk to them and have a really good conversation. And that would be great if that could be served up right before a call instead of me having to take the time to do it. So I think there are lots of ways we could augment um, for salespeople that would make them smarter and, um, you know, more able to have great conversations. Yeah, that's great. Well, there you go. Connect and sell, connect leader, monster connect. Alice just gave you a product feature. Yeah. And uh, it's ungated, so you're welcome to have that. That's right, go for it. <laughs> I'll tell you another thing I would love somebody to invent. So for trade, you mentioned earlier that I do trade shows as well. So I did launch another company called Trade Show Makeover out of just sheer frustration what was, with what was going on in that industry where all of the clients that I've had for all the years, most of them use trade shows to generate a large percent of their leads. And it's a good way, it's a dependable way if done properly. This is where augmentation could really come into play. So mm -hmm. I'm heading out to a conference and I wanna know who to meet with, right? And there are some tools that will help us with that, but there's just not enough. But that, that could be, if you could serve up, you know, here's the 10 people. Yeah, you, here's the 10. Yeah. Here's what you need to yes. know about them. Here's the best way to contact them. That would save a ton of time uh, for salespeople. So I think there's just so many ways and some of them are already out there and some of them will be out there soon. But we definitely have to think about how can we make salespeople more efficient so they can spend time doing the higher level work that helps them have these great conversations. You nailed it. I remember having a conversation with Lori Richardson in Vegas about two years ago and she almost said word for word what you just said so that they can focus on higher value work. Right. That's killer. All right, let's talk a little bit about your background. So not everyone knows the Miller-Hyman story. Uh, so let's, let's have you share it here. How did, like, when you were younger, you know, how did, did you, my dad was a doctor, so that's why I kind of wear my doctor jersey here. I, I like to feel like I'm helping people with their, diagnosing their uh, company conditions and then solving their, their needs. But um, how did you first get into sales? Well, I actually didn't plan on going into sales. And um, 
I didn't go to school for business. Some of you might know that I was an elementary school teacher <laughs> before I went into sales. Uh, so that, that's an interesting path, but um, I learned so much being a teacher that has helped me be a great sales trainer, a great sales coach, and a great salesperson. So it was a really good background in a lot of ways, but that's how I got into it. Now, when I was younger, I actually was in sales when I was in high school. My first, one of my first jobs after babysitting was selling bras. <laughs> so, <laughs> I think so I've heard this story. Give me a call. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I didn't, wasn't thinking of it. You know, I just like, oh, I work in this place and I sell bras, but I wasn't thinking of going into sales. So I went off to college actually to be an art major. And then one day I woke up and I thought, now how am I going to make a living? Uh, so I, I changed my major into education and I thought I can do art with kids and that'll be great. I like kids. I like art. So I studied that and then I became a special education teacher and I was a reading specialist. I got my master's degree in education and became a reading specialist. So the first 13 years of my career were spent in public education. Uh, so that maybe a little bit of a different way to get to sales. <laughs> it did get me there. But really what springboarded me in was my father's company, um, Miller Hyman. Uh, he was partners with Bob Miller. They co-founded that company in the late 70s when I was still in college. So I learned a lot about it and would always be called upon to do projects for them. But I was going to be a teacher. So I, I and I was, but eventually my father did talk me into coming to work for him. And I transferred all those skills right over into the sales world. And I literally got catapulted into sales, into uh, the complex sale and the corporate world, because there would really have been, you know, no way for me to go from being an elementary school teacher to <laughs> selling. Yeah, to that's <laughs> really interesting, right? The skill set for 13 years that you learned was transferable, whether it was teaching people how to do right. drive a forklift or do a complex sale, you had the blocking and tackling of how to build and educate people to make education stick, I guess would be the way to say it. And focus on the customer because as a teacher, that's, all, that's your job to focus on your customer. Your customers, the, the students and the parents, right? Those are your customers and you have to focus on them or you will not get the learning done. Yeah, got it. Okay, that's excellent. So I think as people transition in this weird market that we're in, right, there's some stats out that I've seen that Q2 could be a minus 27% GDP, Q3 could be minus, but then Q4 is going to be one of the best renaissances ever in the history of America and probably the world. So if you take, just pause for a moment and think, three to six months out. Right now, you're devastated. You may have just lost your job. You may be at risk of losing your job. You may have lost half your marketing department. There could be stuff going on. What do you do, just like when you transitioned from the 13 years and parlayed that into a very successful career, what advice would you give to people who are on this call listening to this for what should they do between now and the next six months so that they're ready for the biggest renaissance in the history of the world? I think that is so important to bring out right now. There have been many times in your own life and in the world where change has happened and it's upset things, right? So sometimes it feels 
oh, like a punch in the gut at first, you know, really horrible. And we can get kind of trapped in that mindset, in that head trash about how horrible this is, right? So anytime there's a change, it's tough. And I'll tell you, when I changed from education to selling and, and working in the corporate world, I felt terrible because I felt like I, I was selling out. You know, here I was a teacher who was, you know, proud not to make a very good living because teachers don't get paid much, right? And I worked really hard and, you know, I was doing something important for society. And then I was in corporate America where there's just a lot of greed and wealth, right? And I felt like I had sold out. So some people would think, well, this is great. You get to go work at this company and da 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 And I was like, oh, I feel terrible. So even a good change can make you feel bad. You have to really think about it and, and frame it up properly. So going into any change, whether you've driven the change yourself, the economy's driven the change, a pandemic is driving the change, whatever it is, the first thing you have to do is give yourself some grace, right? It's like, hey, I'm going through a change here. Yeah. You know, I go back to a comp, an event last year with Gerhard, uh, the Mindset event in Los yeah. Angeles. And there was a woman who taught us how to, how to meditate. And we did a 10 minute meditation. And out of that, I came up with the idea to paint my house. Now I still haven't done that yet, but where, where in the world did that come from? And so the, you know, my advice with Alice's is the way for you to open your mind is to learn how to meditate. There's an app called calm. There's several of them. I think it's I paid $60 space and a year. Calm are great. Headspace and calm. Yeah. Guided imagery, guided meditation, um, really awesome ways. But if you give yourself that grace to let it settle in, let, um, let yourself adjust, let yourself meditate, let yourself think of some amazing things that you can do and get a positive spin on it. What's the silver lining to this cloud? Even if you lost your job, and that happens sometimes, and I know a lot of you out there may be saying, yeah, I'm one of those people who lost my job, but even if that's the case, there's something better on the other side if you believe there's something better on the other side. So give yourself some grace. And yeah. then also remember that we're all human and we're all going through the same thing. So maybe I'm used to working from home. Chad, I know you are, but I'm not used to working from home with a global pandemic. Yeah, and, and with my kids on their Netflix and everything else. Kids yeah. and global pandemic and a spouse working from home. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot going on. So just give yourself some grace over it and move through that change at a pace that feels good to you, but really work on your mindset and finding the positive in everything. I think that's the most important thing you can do for yourself right now. And then stop looking short-term and start looking long. Like Chad, you just said that a minute ago, you know, it's three, four months from now, right? We may have the best fourth quarter renaissance ever and get prepared for that. Don't get prepared for, you know, the next two, three, five weeks, maybe that are going to be really bad. I mean, yes, you're going to have to handle those and do it well, but look further and help your clients look further because if they're just looking at the short term, they're going to make decisions that are bad for their company's health in the long term. So I think that's advice that everyone can use is just look ahead and what's going to be on the other side of this and help your clients get there. Yeah. Look over the next mountain. So two, two thoughts. 
One is if you're really in a funk, I learned this through a uh, meditation or something a while ago. It's a five, four, three, two, one countdown. Yes. And so have you heard of this one? Yes. Right. You look at five things. So there's a plant, there's my screen, there's Alice, there's Alice's books, multiple of them available on Amazon. <laughs> uh, you know, you look at five things, then you, uh, what is it? Touch four things. So I've got a Coke can. It's smooth. It's a little cold. I've got my phone. Hopefully it's clean. I've got a microphone. So, you know, touch four things when you can do that. And then you move down to hearing and smelling and taste. You just taste or maybe take a taste of your Coke. It puts you back into right now. Right. Get into your body. Get, Get into body right body. here. There's no threats of attack. There's, I can breathe. Right. I can think. And right. so get into no matter what else is going on. If you just own this moment, take a step forward and then another step and another step. And before you know it, it's six months from now in the best quarter in the history of the world. Absolutely. I think a couple of the really quick uh, techniques that I've used and have taught other people, um, obviously just stop and breathe. you like the old stop, drop and roll. If you're on fire, stop and breathe, right? Just stop, close your eyes and breathe for just a couple of breaths. It's just amazing what it does to your nervous system, just calms it down. So even when you're like in a tizzy, you know, just stop, close your eyes and breathe. Another one is a focus trick. I have this, um, I don't know if you can see it. It's a little heart, yeah. it's a rock. And a friend of mine gave it to me and I just hold it in my hand and I focus on that while I'm breathing. And it just makes, it gives me something to focus on. You can even just look at something like a, a rock or anything that you really love, something small and just focus on it and have a couple of breaths. Mm -hmm. And then the other, the last one I want to share is that I call it flipping the script. So if I go, oh, I'm so upset. What if this goes on three more months? I don't know how I'll pay my bills. Like, so I want to get into that role, that drama queen role. No. So I, as soon as that thought hits my mind, oh my God, what if this goes on three more months? I say, what if this doesn't go on three more months? What if we're out of this in two days or three days or three weeks? And I have the opportunity to. So flip the script instantly and change the words so it's not the bad stuff. It's what, what if it isn't bad? Yeah. Okay. This is awesome. Let's give the audience one more takeaway. So thinking of trade shows, obviously yes. cancellations across the board for a while. When the flip gets, the switch gets flipped sometime soon, then I can't wait to be in Vegas at a trade show. Right. How do I recover from two, three, four months worth of missed trade show leads at the trade show. Obviously, you're probably doing cold calls and pipeline. You're doing other things to recover from lack of pipeline. But what can I do at the first trade show that I go back to? Yeah, that's, that's a great question. And I think that um, everybody needs to know that trade shows will come back and they will come back strong because everyone's dying to see everybody <laughs> in their industry that they haven't seen. And so I think it's going to be awesome. So these trade shows are going to come back strong and you do need to be ready. If that's one of the major ways that you generate leads, then you need to do it well. So I think the most important thing you can do right now is stay focused on the industries that, and the companies that you're going to meet at these trade shows and stay in touch with them. 
even you're not selling anything to them. You're just developing those relationships and keeping in touch with them using LinkedIn, email, phone, like their tweets, maybe Yeah, yeah like their yeah, tweets, yeah, yeah. interact with their posts. It's people love it. I mean, don't you love it when someone retweets you? I do. You know, So retweet their tweets. Um, on LinkedIn, interact with them, comment on their posts, and let them see you. I always like to think of social media more like a coffee shop or a networking event that you might have at a trade show. Use it more that way, just to have little conversations with people and stay in touch with them. And even maybe write some hand, handwritten notes um, or you know, send people something fun just to cheer them up. But just stay in touch with people without really trying to sell right now necessarily, especially if their industry maybe isn't doing as well. Take the time to build that relationship so that when they see you in person, you're like their long lost friend, even though maybe you've never really met them in person. Yeah, that's great. Well, and what's a good, I'm sure it varies by industry and trade show, but you know, if I look back to on 24 or ring central and you get 500 people to come to your booth and you end up closing two or three transactions at a show, I have to believe that if you do it right, you could close 200%, 300%. What's the, what are some of the stats? Is it, what's the best you've seen from a company who's terrible at trade shows they go through trade show makeover and they get to X. Yeah. <laughs> um, I've seen some pretty bad ones. I've seen like we had one with um, 2000, we had 2000, I, you know, sca badge scams, let's call them. <laughs> Cause that's really all they were. They were badge scams. Bad. <laughs> um, and I'm going to tell you that out of that, they only probably had 20 conversations and most of the people they called just said, I have no idea who you are. I didn't stop by your booth. And they basically hung up on them. That was bad. Wow. 20 conversations, really no, very little pipeline, no closed deals. And then no. they, and I remember there, we had our, we had our booth configured one time and the table was hiding me. And oh, yeah. Alice came by and pushed it up against the wall and said, no, 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 no. Oh, no you need no, to no, be no. out there and you need to talk to people. So Look, when the trade shows come back, you guys, if you're in marketing, don't just settle for 1% conversion rate, 2%. You got to really look hard at what's available, the tools and trade show makeover. It's tradeshowmakeover.com, right? Yeah, tradeshowmakeover.com. You absolutely, like the company that did the 2000, we took them down to like 200 badge scans, but then almost everyone talked to them because they remembered them because they had conversations before they scanned the badge. And then they sent really good follow-up so that when they phone called them, they had a lot of conversations. And I think out of 200, they ended up with 20 deals. Interesting. I, I remember DemoChimp wore yeah. orange or red shoes everywhere. And that That's was right. their common theme. And they yeah. even shipped me red shoes when I became a customer. Then when I would see them, I'm like, oh, you guys haven't heard of DemoChimp? Just go find the guy with the red shoes. Right. It was brilliant. You so. got definitely have to attract attention in a good way, right? And you have to have a powerful conversation so people want to talk to you again. And you got to be memorable. So that's the red shoes were memorable. And that's why it helped them so much. There's just so many things you can do that are simple and inexpensive to really make the trade shows a dependable source of leads. Outstanding. Well, look, you've heard it here today. Alice Hyman started her career as a school teacher. <laughs> For 13 years and she made the transition into sales sales is a 
industry that's not going anywhere anytime soon, AI or not, AI will continue to augment, make sellers better so that they can focus on more value-added work. And uh, Alice, I thank you for being here today and sharing your experiences. Yeah, it's been really fun. Thanks for having the conversation. All right, everybody. We'll see you in Vegas at a trade show coming soon. (laughs) Cheers.